Peace be upon you. So God willing, in this episode, I want to look at chronically what are the dietary prohibitions according to God using only the Quran. Now, many scholars and imams, if you ask them what is haram, what is halal for us to eat, they'll give you a whole laundry list of things that are prohibited, that have no basis, no foundation whatsoever in the Quran. And God prohibits, condemns this kind of behavior. In Surah 16, verse 116, it reads, You shall not utter lies with your own tongues, stating, This is lawful and this is unlawful, to fabricate lies and attribute them to God. Surely, those who fabricate lies and attribute them to God will never succeed. So inshallah, in this episode, let's look at the four verses in the Quran that discuss the dietary prohibitions, and let's understand what are these four dietary prohibitions according to the Quran. So there's four verses in the Quran that discuss the dietary prohibitions. Those verses are Surah 2, verse 172, Surah 5, verse 3, Surah 6, verse 145, and Surah 16, verse 115. Now out of these four, the one that is the most comprehensive, that discusses what we are to specifically say when someone asks us, what is prohibited, which foods are prohibited for us to eat according to the Quran is in Surah 6, verse 145. This is the most comprehensive of all four verses to what foods are specifically prohibited for us to eat. And it, go, it reads, Say, I do not find in the revelations given to me any food that is prohibited for any eater except one, carrion, two, running blood, Three, the meat of pigs, for it is contaminated. And four, the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to other than God. If one is forced to eat these without being deliberate or malicious, then your Lord is forgiver, most merciful. That's our answer right there. If a food does not fall into one of these four categories, it is lawful for us to eat. Now let's look at this. This verse is telling us in the entire revelations, and the word that's used, the Arabic is wahi, which goes beyond scripture, meaning any revelation that the prophet received, he's saying out of all of it, the only foods that are ever prohibited are these four, carry on, running blood, the meat of pigs, and the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to other than God. So let's look, what are these four? The first one is carry on. What is the definition of carry on? We can see the definition of carry-on extrapolated in Surah 5, verse 3, which is one of the other verses where it talks about the dietary prohibitions. It reads, Prohibited for you are animals that dive themselves, blood, the meat of pigs, and animals dedicated to other than God. And then it gives us what it means of animals that dive themselves. It says, Strangled, struck with an object, fallen from a height, gored, attacked by a wild animal, you see, these are ways that animals typically die on their own in the wild. And it has this caveat. It says, unless you save your animal before it dies. And this word that's used, zakaitum, which means to be slaughtered with the intent of it being food, with the intent of eating it, meaning that these animals have not lost their lives. If we intervene and slaughter that animal with the intention of making it food, it is lawful for us to eat. And it continues, and it says, in animals sacrificed on altars. Now, this clearly shows human intervention, that I'm slaughtering an animal, but God is telling us that this animal is prohibited. Now, if you look at the Arabic, 
The word that's used to say animals sacrificed on altars, dubiha, which means, in essence, to kill without the intention of it being food. And you see this uh, word used in the Quran about a dozen times, and every single time, it's never with the intention of killing it with the intention of it being food. It's used every time it talks about Pharaoh slaughtering the firstborn of the children of Israel. For instance, in Surah 2 verse 49, Surah 14 verse 6, Surah 28 verse 4, it's used when Solomon threatens the Hopu and says, if I don't see him, I will sacrifice him in Surah 27 verse 21. And then here is the icing on the cake to show that this word does not mean killing with the intention of it being food. It's used in Surah 37 verse 102 and 107 in the context of Abraham when he believed that God wanted him to sacrifice his son Ishmael. Naturally, none of these instances revolved around them killing with the intention of them eating what they killed. This has to do, and this is something with the Arabic language that's hard to convey in English, that this word is specifically in the sense where you kill, but the intention is not food. When you say you slaughter something, in English, that could either mean slaughtering for just the sake of killing or slaughtering for the sake of eating. But in Arabic, there's a difference in these words. So any food that is killed without the intention of it being food is prohibited. That's the reason the word carry-on is used. Because carry-on, when most people think of carry-on, they think about you're driving a car and you don't see a deer, it runs right in front of you, you hit it and you kill it. Now, if you don't slaughter that deer before it dies with the intention of making it food, then by de facto, it falls under the first dietary prohibition and we are not allowed to eat it. So carry-on is any food, any animal that dies on its own without the intention of it being food by a human being doing the killing. <laughs> so let's look at the second dietary prohibition, that of running blood. Now, what's interesting is if you look at any of the other verses, so 2.172, 16.115, or 5.3, it just says blood. But 6.145, again, the reason this is so comprehensive, it uses the term running blood. And in uh, Arabic, it's masfuhan, which means kind of blood poured forth, something that you can pour into a cup and drink. Some people, they misconstrue and they think all blood is prohibited, uh, that if any blood is trapped within the meat, that it's prohibited. That's the reason that when they kill under the pretense of what they think halal is, uh, they hold the, the animal upside down and they drain all its blood because they believe that it's prohibited. But God is telling us specifically that it's blood poured forth, blood that you can pour into a cup and drink. Now, this isn't very common in the U.S., but if you go to places like Taiwan, this is a delicacy. They'll make that into soups. Uh, I believe stinky tofu uh, revolves around coagulated blood. And um, these are prohibited for us to eat. So blood poured forth. The third dietary prohibition is the meat of pigs. Lahmo is the word that's used, which means flesh or meat. And keep in mind, this is this uh, different than just the entire pig. Many Muslims, they'll tell you that, oh, you can't have the uh, lard. You can't have uh, anything with gelatin. They prohibit these. But specifically in the Quran, God tells us that it's the meat, the flesh of pig that is prohibited. And we see this in the following verse. In Surah 6, verse 146, it reads, For those who are Jewish, we prohibited animals with undivided hooves of the cattle and sheep. We prohibited the fat except that which is carried on their backs or in the viscera or mixed with bones. That was a retribution for their transgressions and we are truthful. 
So God is telling us that he can differentiate. It's God Almighty. He can differentiate between prohibiting the fat, the uh, uh, the meat, the bones, the viscera. He can distinguish whatever he wants to tell us what's prohibited. And in the case of meat, uh, of pigs, it's specifically the meat of pigs that's prohibited, not the fat. Meaning that if you have beans that's cooked in the lard of a uh, pig, it is lawful for us to eat. Because again, if we extrapolate beyond what God is telling us and we prohibit things that God did not prohibit in the Quran, we are following another source beside the Quran. And God is not short on words. Uh, gelatin that's used for jello is made from uh, the, the uh, uh, bones of a pig. Again, this is not the meat. As long as it's not the meat, we can eat the food. So this brings us to the fourth and last dietary prohibition and that's of the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to other than god now the first thing that's worth pointing out in this prohibition is that it doesn't say the meat of animals to uh that's not dedicated to god that would be la allah it says la ghayra allah which means to other than god meaning that if an animal is sacrificed to other than God, meaning they mention Jesus, Zeus, any of these imams, whatever, we cannot eat that animal. We cannot eat that food. And this is specific because some people, they believe that the animal must be sacrificed in the name of God, in the name of Allah, for it to be lawful for us to eat, except this does not, goes against what's in the Quran. Now, someone who kills an animal it's their duty, if they're a submitter, to mention God's name, to pronounce God's name when they commit that act. They're asking God, the creator of the universe, for the life of this uh, livestock, for them to eat. But if they don't, the burden is on the individual committing the act and not on the individual consuming the meat because the meat is not prohibited. God gives us a similar example in uh, Surah 5 verse 3 where it talks about the meat of animals. It says, do not divide the meat through a game of chance. In the Arabic, it's talking about divine arrows. It says, do not pull your lot by uh, the divine arrows. And what that means is they used to have a, a bag of arrows and on the arrows it would have numbers which distinguish who wins and who loses. And by that metric, they would determine who gets what cut of meat. God is saying that that practice is prohibited, but the meat itself is not. Meaning if someone divides the meat through a game of chance, the practice of doing that is prohibited. But to say that the meat itself is prohibited would be creating a fifth category that God did not specify. And it's the same thing with the, uh, the, the other. It's the responsibility of the person to mention God's name. But if they don't, the burden falls on them and not on the individuals to, from consuming that meat. So when we go to a grocery store, you know, as long as they didn't mention Jesus, Zeus, or, you know, some imam or whatever, when they sacrifice that animal, we can eat it. Now, realistically, I can guarantee they didn't mention God when they killed that animal, right? It was probably done in an automated fashion, but it's still lawful for us to eat. Something else you'll notice is that nowhere in the Quran does it give guidelines to how we're supposed to kill an animal. Obviously, as submitters, we want to do it in a humane fashion. We want to have respect for this blessing that God gave to us. The same root that is used for blessing, Neymat, is also the root that's used for livestock. And it's telling us that this is a huge blessing for us. The consumption of meat from an animal 
is a huge advancement to our brains, to society, to our flourishing. And it's something that we shouldn't take lightly. You know, we should do our utmost to make sure we treat these animals in a humane, kind manner. But it does not mean that because these factories don't do that, that all of a sudden the food becomes prohibited for us to eat. You know, we have to distinguish between the act and then the end product. The end product is still lawful for us to eat. The act itself is prohibited. And this has to do with another misconception. Some people believe that any food, that if you just mention uh, Jesus, uh, all of a sudden you can't eat that food. If we were to do that, we would be empowering the idol worshipers, that they could somehow miraculously make food for us uh, beyond these four categories prohibited. God condemns this numerous times in the Quran. What's interesting is in these four verses, when it talks about the fourth dietary prohibition, the Arabic word that's used is uhilla. Uhilla means to pronounce God's name upon that animal when you kill it. So if someone does not pronounce God's name when they kill it and they announce some other name, that's the only time we can't eat that animal. Because if the, you can't do that, you can't sacrifice, for instance, an orange or a grape or an apple or a cake. We know for a fact that when someone makes a birthday cake, right, they're dedicating this cake to an individual. But God is telling us it's still lawful for us to eat because it's not, they didn't kill an animal in the name of other than God. Now, if hypothetically they killed a uh, goat and they dedicated it to some person for their birthday at the, the time of killing, we cannot eat that animal. But this does not constitute other kinds of food. The word that's used, ohilla, specifically means to invoke the name of God upon an animal before slaughtering it. This is not something you do with any other kinds of food. And God tells us, in Surah 5, verse 1 and 3, it says, God did not prohibit bahira, which means livestock that beget certain combinations of males and females, nor sabia, livestock liberated by an oath, nor wasila, the ones who begets two males in a row, or hami, the bull that fathers ten. It is the disbelievers who invented such lies about God. Most of them do not understand. These are practices that the idol worshippers did. They would say that if this livestock begets certain combinations of males and females, no one is allowed to kill it. They prohibited these animals from being eaten or livestock liberated by an oath or one that begets two males in a row. God is telling us these pagan practices, if we are to uphold them because the disbelievers prohibited these foods by dedicating it to their idols, then we would be empowering the disbelievers with these abilities. God is telling us it's our duty that, yes, we can say, Bismillah, slaughter that animal and still eat it. No different than if someone offers us food. If they dedicated it to their idols and it's not meat that they slaughtered in the name of other than God, we can say, Bismillah, and we can eat that food. Now, some people, they ask, they say, what about, you know, the altars of idols? Are you saying that, yeah, you can go to an altar of idol and then eat the food from there? And of course not. This contradicts another verse in the Quran. In Surah 5, verse 90, it says, O you who believe, intoxicants and gambling in the altars of idols and the games of chance are abominations of the devil. You shall avoid them that you may succeed. God is telling us we shouldn't even approach these altars of idols. It's a similar commandment to what was given to Adam and Eve, meaning that, Adam and Eve were not told, don't eat from this tree. They said, do not approach this tree. You shall avoid this tree. 
And God is telling us the same thing about the altars of idols. So as submitters, we should never be in front of an altar of an idol, let alone be able to eat the food from an altar of an idol. Now, this also touches on another point, the concept of intoxicants. Some people, they say, look, Surah 6 verse 145 couldn't possibly encompass all the dietary prohibitions because intoxicants aren't mentioned. Now, what's different between the dietary prohibitions and intoxicants and uh, other kind of uh, dietary laws is that the dietary prohibitions under no circumstances, unless we're absolutely have to by force, shall we eat even trace amounts of this food. Meaning that you can't have trace amounts of carry-on or trace amounts of the meat of pig. It's all or nothing. And it's the same thing in the context of, uh, uh, it's not the same thing in the context of intoxicants, right? Because there's trace amounts of alcohol in orange juice or in toothpaste. These things are not prohibited because there's no amount of toothpaste or orange juice I would possibly be able to drink in order to get intoxicated. These trace amounts, they exist. The difference is the reason these aren't part of the dietary prohibitions is because if they were, we couldn't have any of those products. Now you see Muslims and math, they'll prohibit mouthwash and toothpaste and medicines and this and that because it has trace amounts. Uh, even some gums, they have trace amounts of alcohol. But God is very specific when it comes to the dietary prohibitions. It's only those four. God is prohibiting us from being intoxicated. Now, obviously, I'm not going to have a little bit of alcohol, but if the trace amounts are there as a byproduct of the food because of fermentation, I will eat that food. I have no problem with that because there's no amount of it that I could eat of, say, you know, some orange juice that's just in the, uh, the fridge that might have went through a tiny bit of fermentation or chewing gum that might have trace amounts of alcohol that is ever going to make me intoxicated. And this is different than, say, rum cake and these things that they put heavy doses of liquor inside that, yeah, if you, if you eat or consume, you will be intoxicated. Um, I'm talking about things with trace amounts. And that's the difference between something that's part of the dietary prohibitions and just intoxicants in general. Now, I want to talk about some other uh, dietary guidelines. God tells us in the Quran that it is our duty that when we eat food, we mention God's name. And this isn't limited to animal products. This is to all food, water, whatever. When we eat it, we are to mention God's name. In Surah 6, verse um, let me find it, 118, it reads, You shall eat from that upon which God's name has been pronounced. In the Arabic is zikr. If you truly believe in his revelations, why should you not eat from that upon which God's name has been mentioned? He has detailed for you what is prohibited for you unless you are forced. Indeed, many people mislead others with their personal opinions without knowledge. Your Lord is fully aware of the transgressors. You shall avoid obvious sins as well as hidden ones. Those who have earned sins will surely pay for the transgressions. And says, do not eat from that upon which the name of God has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. The devils inspired their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. God is telling us very cut and dry that it's our duty that for us to be able to eat, we should mention God's name. We should be reflective because this is a moment for us to draw closer to God. And all we have to do is just mention God's name. Thank you, God. Bismillah. Whatever you want to be reflective that God is the one who provided these provisions for us. And if we become unappreciative, if we forget, we have to immediately repent and remember God. And if someone argues with you, says, why do you say Bismillah before you eat? Why do you mention God's name before you eat? Why do you say thank you before you eat uh, to your creator? 
And if we accept them, God tells us if we do that, we will be idol worshipers because we're accepting the word of someone else. Now, this has to do with the dietary prohibitions uh, in Mass. God tells us specifically what is prohibited to us according to the revelations given to Prophet Muhammad. And again, the word that's used is wahi, which means all the revelations, because there's revelations that were given to Prophet Muhammad that were not part of the Quran. That even if you look at the Hadith, whatever, as much as these are rejected by God, we are still to only follow, the only dietary prohibitions we are to follow are that of what's specified in 6145. If we go beyond that and we start prohibiting other foods, then we're following a source beside God and we would be committing idol worship. Now, I know that, sadly, this is a very controversial topic, the dietary prohibition. So I wanted to address it carefully. And um, it's interesting how serious people take this. You'll take someone who doesn't believe in the attributes of God, doesn't do their slot, doesn't give their zakat, is not a righteous person, but they will not eat pork. <laughs> that for some reason, there's something visceral about the dietary prohibitions that we hold sacred, which we should. But it goes beyond uh, other facets of our religion, that you take someone who's kind of renounced their entire religion, but still they will stick with the dietary prohibitions. And I wanted to put a caveat in here. And um, if I misspoke, if uh, you see this differently, as long as you're following the verses of the Quran, God willing, God will guide us all to the right understanding. God tells us in 16, 119, it says, Yet as regard those who fall in sin out of ignorance, then repent thereafter and reform your Lord. After this is done, is forgiver most merciful. So inshallah, God guides us in the right understanding. God guides our heart to make the right decisions, to understand his verses correctly. But I just wanted to shed light on this and kind of uh, put away a lot of these misnomers around what foods are considered halal or haram. It's very cut and dry. And I'm just going to read it one more time in 6145. It reads, Say, I do not find in the revelations given to me any food that is prohibited for any eater except carrion, running blood, the meat of pigs for it is contaminated, and the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to other than God. If one is forced to eat these without being deliberate or malicious, then your Lord is forgiver, most merciful. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.